Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church. Whether you uh, are part of our church and, and this is your home church, or whether you're just visiting today, we give you a warm welcome. I hope that you can stay tuned in all the way through our service, just to, to be encouraged and really to be part of what we're trying to do here as a church. And so welcome. It's great that we're here together. This is Sunday number 20 of Church Online. Um, I never thought we would see uh, 20 Sundays of Church Online. It's been a steep learning curve. Um, there have been plenty of challenges for us all along the way. And I know that many of us are still experiencing challenges. Um, just because of uh, lockdown it doesn't mean that some of the challenges that were there beforehand have gone. Uh, sometimes they may have been uh, exacerbated by the, the current circumstances. But then we've all faced the challenges of uh, the, the last four months that we've been living in. But I just want us to... Uh, I just want to encourage us to take our minds off of the challenges today and to focus on who God is because he really is at the center of all that we're trying to do as Christians. He is the focus of our life. He is the central point of our life. And really, God's word should be the thing which informs how we live our lives. And at the end of the day, we want to be like Jesus. We want to be transformed into his likeness. And so the title of the message today is the, the Dreamer in the Distance, and really focusing in on just what people see when they see us coming in the distance. Who do, who do people see that we are? And so I want us to think about that this morning, um, and just to be encouraged to think about becoming more like Jesus. So before we do that, we're going to worship God, we're going to use songs to worship, and uh, Steve is going to lead us, Josh is going to be helping us uh, with the cajon. Uh, when lockdown started, uh, we realized that we needed to move uh, church into our upstairs uh, room for a while. And so we bought Josh a cajon so that he could uh, be part of the worship. And he, yeah, so he's benefited from uh, from lockdown right at the start. Uh, he likes his cajon. But thank you uh, to, to the guys for leading us wor in worship. But let's just pray before we do that. Father, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you're in our hearts that you live in us. And Father, we thank you that despite the fact that uh, there are weird things happening in our world just now, that the church is still alive and you still want to meet with us. And so, Father, we pray that as we gather, albeit online today, Father, that you would presence yourself in amongst us. Lord, we pray that everything we say and do would be for your glory. Uh, because, Father, we want our lives to reflect your glory. We want our lives to be like that of Jesus. And so, Father, come and meet with us today, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.
his name we overcome for the Lord
So thank you, uh, Steve and uh, Josh, for helping us with worship, for leading us. And I uh, just want to uh, appreciate the guys who've been helping with Church Online in the background. I mentioned uh, some of the guys last week who've been helping us, Sarah, Mary, Josh, uh, Steve, more recently. I also wanted to uh, thank Lindsay, who's been working away in the background as well. Uh, Lindsay's employed by the church as our part-time administrator. And Lindsay's been getting lots of stuff done in the background, helping me. And she's been getting CDs and DVDs out to people in the post as well. So thank you to Lindsay. Uh, and thank you to all the guys who've been involved in praying throughout the week. Uh, so we've met on a Wednesday, we've met on a Monday for prayer. And thank you to everyone who's been involved in prayer. And uh, I just wanted to uh, say one or two things uh, just before we get into the message today. First thing is uh, thank you to everyone. Um, the second thing is that for the next two weeks, so that's this coming week and the following week, uh, we'll be taking uh, a little bit of a break from some of those activities. So our, our midweek prayer gatherings um, will not be happening for the next two weeks. Um, just so that everyone who's been involved in that can get a little bit of a rest and just be recharged, have their batteries re recharged. And this, the, the third thing is just to say that over the next couple of weeks, I'm planning to take some time off. And so the message that you hear uh, next week will also be pre-recorded, um, uh, but I will actually be on, on holiday. So I, I just uh, need to take a couple of weeks just to recharge my batteries because we're looking at uh, relaunching uh, church in the building on the 23rd of August. So we've been kind of... Uh, trying to get things sorted out in the background so that we can launch church. That will be happening on the 23rd of August and you should receive a communication through the post and there should be th some things on video this week for you to uh, look at and just find out about what we've been doing and, and how that's going to look for us. So watch out for that uh, either in the post or on Facebook or on YouTube uh, this week. Uh, we'll be trying to communicate in various ways. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, I want to just take the camera around the church 
and uh, really uh, help you to see uh, what church is going to look like. Um, that will not be out today, but uh, that, that will hopefully be uh, just uh, there for, for you to see uh, during the week online. Okay, so let's just pray before we uh, delve into God's word. We want to hear what God wants to say to us all the time. I think God is more willing to speak than we are to listen sometimes. So let's really delve uh, into God's word, but let's pray uh, that we, we hear his voice first. Father, we just thank you for the life of Joseph. We've been thinking about him over the last uh, couple of weeks. And uh, Lord, we, we're just going to think a little bit more about Joseph today. And so, Father, we pray, may our ears be open, may our spirits be enlivened to hear what you want to say to us today. And Father, may we be people who put into practice what you speak to us today. And so we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So let's just uh, delve into God's word. Um, we're going to go back into Genesis chapter 37, so just get ready uh, to read that. Uh, the title of our message today is The Dreamer in the Distance. And we're really thinking about what people see. What do people see when they see us coming? You know, we've thought about uh, not letting difficulties destroy our dreams. The reality is that there are challenges and difficulties that we all face and uh, sometimes they come from within ourselves. Sometimes they're part of our, our circumstances, our environment. Sometimes it's, it's because we have a spiritual enemy who wants to stop us from progressing in the things of God. We thought about how dreams uh, have a danger attached, especially if it's a God-sized dream. Lots of people are able to dream dreams and achieve great things, but the things that God wants us to be involved in, wow, they're incredible things. Part of building his kingdom, seeing lost people won for Jesus, seeing people becoming like Jesus. And that's a big, massive dream. And I just want to encourage us to be involved in that. But today, you know, I just want us to focus on, uh, just for a little while, thinking about the dreamer in the distance. And so we're going to read uh, a few words from Genesis. If you turn to Genesis chapter 37, and uh, it says, So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance. And that was that little key uh, line that I wanted to think about today. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, into a pit like a well, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. And that's what they did. They went back to their father and said, you know, something's happened to Joseph. And, and, and Jacob, his father, was distraught. It says that he grieved and grieved, and he said that he would actually go down to the grave grieving for his son. He thought he was dead. And listen to this last little passage, uh, this little verse in this passage. It says, then we'll see what comes of his dreams. The reality is that there are always people or circumstances who want to kill your dreams and my dreams. Let's endeavor not to be those people who kill other people's dreams, but rather let's get alongside each other and encourage. You know, I asked this question, is it normal or is it neurotic? You know, maybe you've never thought about this, uh, or maybe maybe you overthink it to the point of being neurotic. But what do people think when they see you coming? What do people think when they see you coming? Do they say, "Oh, here it, here they come, yes," or do they say, "Oh no, here they come"? 
it's like here they come again. Oh man, can we run into a shop and hide somewhere? I don't know about you. When people see me coming, I want them to say, yes, here he comes. We love it when he comes. I, I trust that we all feel like that. I want us all to be that type of person. The re- the reality is that we're all sorts of different personalities. Sometimes our personalities clash and we need to try and put that aside in the church and the kingdom of God. But we can all be that type of person where when people see us coming, they go, yes, here I come and I'm looking forward to meeting that person. You see, the reality is that we all make an impression on other people. And somebody once says, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. We all make an impression on other people just by who we are, maybe how we dress, maybe how we uh, how we look physically, how we speak, how we act, uh, the things that we think and do. All of these things make an impression on other people. You know, we talk about uh, the way that we walk, you know that you can recognize people by the way they walk. Here was Joseph coming in the distance. I wonder if they recognized him by the way that he walked. You know how some people have that swagger. You know, I, I've seen people uh, who walk in a particular way, but, you know, particularly young people as they get older, some develop a swagger and it's like, I'm the big hard man. Uh and I don't know about you, <laughs> when I was young and a teenager, I wasn't so much interested in the swagger, but I do remember being really self-conscious about the way that I walked, particularly when you walked past somebody, especially if it was a girl that you really liked, in my case, and uh, I would walk past that girl and I would become so self-conscious of the way that I was walking because I thought that person might be looking at me in the way that I was walking. It was just such an uncomfortable feeling. We all have a particular walk and you can recognize people from a distance by the way that they walk. But there's another way to think about that. The Bible talks about the way our our walk being the way that we live our lives. And so I want us to think about how we live our lives. How do we walk? How do we live our lives? And then this other question, who, who are you? And that who song comes to mind in the CSI episodes. But that that question, who are you? How would you answer that question when somebody says, or if somebody said to you, who are you? How would you go about answering that question? Somebody said that you are what you eat. Well, if you are what you eat, in that case, I should be a midget gem. Well, maybe that's partially true. Maybe just the midget bit. Are you your DNA? Are you uh, the, the sort of cells that make up your body? Talking about CSI, I remember we were watching it one time and there was just this little line which is just such a cracking line for people who think this is, this is my life, this is who I am, this is what I'm stuck with. And the line was DNA is not your destiny. In other words, what you are just now doesn't determine your future. When God comes into your life, God can give you a new life, a new plan, a new purpose. He can even uh, do new things in our life. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, if anyone becomes a Christian, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Our DNA is not our destiny. I'd like to argue that when somebody says, who are you? We are much more than our DNA. I think we are a unique blend of body, soul, and spirit. 
What about your body? What do people see when they see you coming? Your name, when people hear your name, what do they associate your name? The name that your parents gave you. Some people may have changed their name. Some people have may, may have changed their name to disassociate from their past. They want a new name. Can I just tell you that when we see Jesus face to face, he's going to give us a new name. What an incredible reality. When people see you, do they think about your personality, all your little traits, all the things that make you you? Maybe you've done personality profile and Myers-Briggs and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I've done these types of things. I've done Strengths Finder. I've done team roles, all, all these kind of things, just to try and understand how I work and what my gifts are and, and where my best fit is. All these things go to make us up, make up who we are. What about our thoughts? Who are you? Are you your thoughts? Whether they're public or private, the things that we keep to ourselves. And sometimes it's really wise to keep our thoughts to ourselves and not to speak, by the way. Our family, our families define us as well. Maybe the family that we're born into. But here's the thing, we can break the mold in our families. Maybe maybe we've had a family history of, of, of things that we are maybe not proud about or not happy about. We can break the mold. God can come into our situation, into our life, and he can break the mold of things that have been part of our families for years. Things that we maybe don't want uh, to talk about. What about your work, you know? The things that you do, do, do they define who you are? Or your faith or your beliefs? I believe we're a mixture of all these things. We're body, soul and spirit. And the reality is that each of us make an impression on other people. And we do it without even realising. I think about some of the people in my life who have made a massive impression on my life. And I've looked at them and I thought, I want to be like that person. The reality is that we need to find out who we are in God and become that person. There are many people that I look up to and admire, but I can't become that person. All I can become is who God has created me to be and be the best version of me that I can be. When we become a new creation, God does something new in us to recreate his life in us, which begins to change us from the inside. We, we change our thinking. The Bible talks about being transformed through the renewing of your mind. It talks about us being changed. So when God comes in, a change happens. But I think about some of the people in my life, people who I have shared some things with and they have kept a confidence. You begin to learn that there are people that you can trust with your deepest secret. People who keep a confidence. People who were there when you needed them. People who just turned up at the right time and they were able to get alongside you when you were struggling. People who were there when you needed help. The reality is that we all create an impression, each on the other, and it's just part of what life is all about. And I wanted us to think about some people who created an impression. The first one is Job. And in Job chapter 1 verse 8 it says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. What an amazing thing for God to say about a person. Then Moses, and it says in Numbers 12, 3, now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. 
Nehemiah, uh, sorry, Naaman, Second uh, uh, Kings chapter five verse one says uh, that he was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded. He was a valiant soldier. Lastly, Nehemiah chapter seven verse uh, two. We read about this. Uh, it says, "I put him in charge of Jerusalem." my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God. Listen to this. He feared God more than most men do. Joseph was a man of integrity. His brother saw him coming. He was a 17-year-old lad at this point. And what we read about his life in those 13 years that we talked about before is a boy who became a man and who lived a life of integrity. Call me a bit sad. Maybe it's normal or maybe it's neurotic. But I sometimes think, what will people say about me after I'm gone? As we thought about these people here, we read about what happened to them after they were gone, after they had done their part, played their part, and we read these words and we look back on them and we think, these were incredible people. I want to be like those types of people. But I wonder what people say about us today. What do people say about you today? Even people who only know us from a distance. What happens when people hear our name mentioned? What picture comes into their mind? And there are just three things that I wanted to think about just briefly um, as we think about this. What did people see in us? What did people see? What did Joseph's brothers see in him? And as I was thinking about this, they saw him coming in the distance. And how the question I asked myself was, how did they know it was Joseph? Well, they could have been able to tell by his walk, which reminds me of another song by the Bee Gees, but let's not go there. But I think the thing that defined Joseph, even in the distance, was this richly ornamented robe which his father had given him. Remember we talked about how he was his father's favourite? It's never a good idea to have favourites in families. Let's be clear about that. Never a good idea. But Joseph's brothers recognised him coming in the distance. And they saw the father's gift on his life. And this made me really stop and think, what do people see when they look at us? Do they see the, the father's gift, the gift of God in our lives? Is that what people see when they see us from a distance? Maybe even people who don't know us very well. One of God's gifts to Joseph was not only the fact that he had dreams, but he had the ability in God to interpret dreams, to give understanding. God had gifted Joseph not only to do that, but also to be an administrator. You know that administration is a gift Some people are gifted administrators. So if you're not good at administration, don't worry. It's just that it's not your gift. You can practice, you can get better at it, but some people are naturally gifted administrators. And I believe Joseph was one of those types of guys. Not only the gift of his father, this richly ornamented robe, but the gift of his father, God, the ability to interpret dreams, and the ability to be an administrator. And it makes me think, what has God gifted us with? What do people see when they see us coming from a distance? Do they see the gift of God in our lives? And 
you'll need to excuse me for being a little bit lighthearted for a moment, but as I thought about this, I thought about this whole uh, game, Top Trumps. Do you remember playing Top Trumps? Uh, maybe you played it as a kid. Maybe you still do play it. I don't know. And uh, if you've never played Top Trumps, what you get is a pack of cards, and inside that are a number of different uh, cards with different uh, types of that one thing. So it could be trucks, it could be planes, it could be footballers, it could be anything. And each different item is scored on a number of different areas. And I thought, what if we had a Whitburn Pentecostal Top Trumps? So we had a pack of cards with everybody's name on it, and we scored everybody based on a certain number of criteria. Let's look at what some of those criteria might be. So the first one is Bible knowledge. So it's Top Trumps, it's Whitburn Pentecostal Church, it's our score for Bible knowledge. When I was a kid, I loved Bible quizzes, I loved Bible knowledge. I was always the first one with my hand up with the answer. I find now that I'm in my 50s, I still tend to forget so many things. Uh, I even try to uh, go to quote scriptures that I can do like that in other circumstances, but I get in front of this camera and my mind just goes blank. I st stand on the platform and I'm like, where was that passage again? Bible knowledge. How would we rate ourselves in Bible knowledge? When we see somebody coming in the distance, think about the people in our church. Who would you say had the highest score for Bible knowledge? What is our gift? For some people, it might be that they're able to understand and teach and know the Bible, and that's a great thing. Then, point two, worshipper. Who are the worshippers? Who's got the top score for worship? What is worship anyway? <laughs> when we gather as church again, we won't be able to sing as things stand at the moment. Is worship just about singing? Is it about the people who have their hands in the air and they're really caught up in it all? Who would have the highest score for worship? What do people see in us when they look at us from a distance? Maybe the people who are in the church building during a Sunday and we're all worshipping and people look at Sunday else and they go, oh, they're really caught up in worship. The reality is we should all be caught up in worship and not be looking around at other people, but that's another story. What about gifts? Who is the most gifted person in the church? Who's got the best gifts? Who's the most talented person in the church? Who's got the highest score? And we think about other people, and I think subconsciously we do this actually. We think about other people and we think about them in that way. But then I want to think about another category. Let's think about category number four, character. And I don't mean somebody is a character. I remember saying to George Curl when I came to this church at first 30 years ago, George, I can't wait till I get to your age um, because I'll be able to say whatever I like and get away with it just like you do. And I now find myself at the same age that George was then, and I still can't get away with saying the things that I like. And yet George, George is a character, he gets away with saying things. But I'll tell you something, George Curl loves the people of this church and he loves this church. And that's why he gets away with saying some of the things that he says, because I know that he loves me <laughs> and, uh, and he gets away with it. And so George is a character. But I want us to think about character. Character is the, the life of God, that, that, the, the whole kind of spiritual formation is becoming like Jesus. That's what we mean when we talk about character, uh, a good character. Who would score highest for character? 
And then lastly, point number five. This is number five in the top trump card. And we're all scored against these things. And the last one is love. Think about that. It's how we'll be known as Jesus' disciples, that we have love one for another. That's how we'll be known. When people see us coming from a distance, they will know whether or not we are people who love them or not. And we need to think about that. And let me say something really clearly. I'm making a bit of a joke about top trumps. And I loved playing top trumps as a kid. And I loved having the highest scoring card and winning all the cards off my friends. It was great fun. But when it comes to the things that are on the screen here, Bible knowledge, worshipper, gifts, character, love, can I just say that character always trumps gift? A number of months ago, it may even have been last year, um, Mary was at a training session, uh, whatever it was, Perth, and uh, I had went up uh, to, to pick her up from that. And uh, one of the questions that was asked at that training session was, what is most important, character or giftedness? And there's quite a few of the younger leaders who were there that day who thought, wow, gift, gift is, is much better to, to, to be really, really gifted. Of course, that's not the answer. The answer is that character is more important. You see... We can learn skills, we can acquire new skills, we can learn new things, we can pray and God can give us new gifts. The Bible talks about earnestly desiring spiritual gifts, eagerly desiring spiritual gifts. We, we can, we, the Holy Spirit can give us gifts, can open new things up for us. But character is more important. Character is how we live our lives. It's that name that we have when other people see us coming it's what we do with God's gifts that makes the impression on other people. What do we do with our gifts? Do we boast about them? Or do we bless other people by using them? Do we boast or do we bless? We can look at my gift or your gift. I want us to help us to find each other's gifts and to explore how we develop that. You see, what we do with the gift that God is placed in us, the calling that he's put in our lives is what we'll be judged on when we stand before God. And let's not forget, as we talk about these things, that love, which is the last one on the, the list here, love is actually a fruit of the Spirit. There are nine fruit of the Spirit. There are nine gifts of the Spirit mentioned in Corinthians, nine fruit of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians, of which love is one of them. And that's what we are ultimately known by. We're known not so much by our gift, but we're known by our character. We're known by our love, our love for other people. And let me say that you might be the most gifted person on the planet. You might be the most gifted person in the church. You might score highest on Bible knowledge. You might score highest on worshipper. You might score highest on gift. But let me just remind each one of us that people will forget what we say but they will never forget how we made them feel. They will never forget that. The times when we demonstrate the love of God to somebody else will never be forgotten. And think about, uh, I think about um, the, the second point on, on my slides here, the Father's garments. 
this is the, the second point and will be really, really quick uh, from now on in. Joseph was given a richly ornamented garment from his father. What does our father, our heavenly father, give us? What does he clothe us with? You see, the Bible talks about God putting things on us. When we become a Christian, when we become that new creation, it says that we're given a garment of salvation. We're saved. We're saved from our old life, our old self, and we're given a new life. God is changing us. A garment of righteousness. God wants us to live in a right way. We also read in the Bible about, in Isaiah 61, about putting on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When we begin to praise, when we begin to worship God through song, then something happens inside of us. Something changes inside. But let me read that verse from Isaiah. Isaiah 61 verse 10, it says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and has arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Can people see that we're saved? Can people see that we're different? Can people see that we are distinctive? Can people see that we are righteous by the way that we live? Sometimes people get really annoyed by that. We hear phrases like goody two-shoes or here comes holy woolly. How people see us from a distance. The reality is that sometimes, sometimes the way that we choose to live our lives and exhibit the fruit of righteousness, some people don't like that. And that's just part of life. I heard a story uh, about a man. In fact, I heard this story back in 2004 about a man who who had been at work and went home for the weekend. And that weekend, he went to church. That weekend, he became a Christian. And God did something radically different in his life. And he came into work the following uh, Monday, absolutely buzzing. And he said to his work colleague, I've become a Christian at the weekend. Before I was like this and now I'm like this. I've been changed. God has done something amazing in my life. You should become a Christian too. To which his work colleague said, I am. (laughs) Imagine working with somebody for years and they never knew you were a Christian. Imagine that. One of the things that I always endeavoured to do when I was in Mitsubishi was to let people know that I was a Christian. What has God put on us? A garment of salvation, a garment of righteousness, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That that is what he has dressed us in. It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing that we put on. And God encourages us to do that. And lastly, the Father's grace. And it's my experience that God puts that grace on us. He puts something on us. He gives us a grace to be able to do certain things for a certain period of time. He gives us favour. God opens doors for us and he gives us favour. He gives us opportunities to do certain things for certain periods of time. We see that in the life of Joseph as well. God favoured him. God gave him a grace to serve in Potiphar's house. It all went pear-shaped. God gave him grace. God gave him favour to serve in the prison. And then that changed And he found himself before the Pharaoh and God gave him a grace and a favour not just to run a household or run a prison, but to run a country. God gave him the gifts of administration to be able to do that. And I want to encourage us to use every opportunity that God opens up for us. Let me remind you of a little pearl of wisdom from the Proverbs. 
just as we wrap things up. It says that a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed as better than silver or gold. You see, you should aim to have a good reputation more than trying to get rich. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how rich you are. You can't take it with you. But what you will leave behind, other than your riches, is that impression on other people. What you meant to other people. There are names which I hear of people who I never knew from my past, my parents' past, and their name carries with it something that really blesses other people still because there's something in their name because of what they did. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. And what it talks about there is good graces or favour. To be in someone's good graces, to have favour with people, is better than being rich. And I love the way that the message uh, translation of the Bible puts it. It says, a sterling reputation is better than striking it rich. A gracious spirit is better than money in the bank. Incredible words. Incredible words. We need to think about what other people see in us when they see us coming from a distance. What do people see in you and I when they see us coming? What do people think when they see us coming? Is like, oh no, here they come again. Or, oh yes. Here they come, can I wait? Looking forward to it, looking forward to chatting, to meeting. What people think about us, what people see in us from a distance is so, so important. And may we carry those dreams, may we carry those God-given dreams into every place that we go. You know, I just want us to finish off there. I want to bless you and encourage you. I want to encourage you to have a, a great week. Um, and, and that you really experience God's peace and God's rest. If you've never made a decision to become a Christian, then today could be your day to do that. Where God does something new in your life. Maybe people, uh, when they think about you coming, it's like, oh, God can change all that. God can change it so that when people see you coming, they go, yes, you're coming. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for the church, but I want to pray for you and, and lead you in a prayer if you've never made that decision to become a Christian. So let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we just pray your blessing on this church. Father, I thank you for this church. I pray that you would cause it to prosper. I pray that you would cause it to, to be a church full of people that are a blessing to others. Lord, we are blessed to be a blessing to others. And Father, we just thank you for the work of this church. We thank you for the many outreaches of this church. We know that many have been affected by uh, the current uh, circumstances over the last four months. Some of our outreaches, our kids' work, and all the things, our youth and chaplaincy and other outreaches that we do have been affected by this. But Father, we pray that the day would come soon where we are able to uh, launch all these things once again. And so, Father, we just pray that you would move uh, in this whole situation. Father, that you bring it to a speedy uh, conclusion. Father, as we look at opening up the church building again, Father, we pray that we'd be able to do that safely in a way that uh, protects others, but Father, also helps others to come together and to worship you. And so, Father, just we, we pray as we uh, get our hearts ready and prepared for that, Lord, Lord that we would uh, be able to do that well for your glory. And Father, just today, I just pray for those uh, who are really struggling. And Lord, I ask that you would come into their situation 
and that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, that you would lift uh, their spirits. And Father, that you would uh, just renew their vision. Father, that you would help them to dream big dreams, God-sized dreams. Father, to know that this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And so, Father, I just pray your blessing on every per person listening to this who's struggling. Father, maybe those who are struggling with thoughts and uh, depression, maybe those who are struggling physically. Father, I just pray that you'd come and that you'd meet every person at their point of need. Father, you know exactly what's going on inside us. And so, Father, we pray that you'd come and that you would meet with us. In Jesus' name we ask. And if you've never made that decision to become a Christian, then I'm just, just going to pray a simple prayer and ask that you pray after me and uh, whether you pray it into your heart or out loud, regardless of where you are just now, you can pray that prayer. You could even pray that prayer uh, if you're in uh, the middle of driving down uh, the road because because God hears our prayer. We don't need to close our eyes per se, but just let, let's just pray a little prayer. And if, if you've never made a Christian, uh, made a decision to become a Christian, sorry, then you can pray this prayer and invite God into your life. And if you do that, let us know. Go to whitburnpentecostal.com. The details will come up uh, on the, the video just after we're finished. Um, so if you've never prayed that prayer, let us know. And we would love to send you some things out in the post and uh, to, to chat with you. So let's just pray. Dear God, I recognise that not everything in my life has been right. Sometimes there have been occasions where people have saw me coming and they said, oh no, I want you to come into my life and to make me a new person. That your Holy Spirit would come into me and make me a new person. I ask that you forgive me. I ask that you make me clean and give me a fresh start. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. And if you've made that prayer for the first time, said that prayer for the first time, let us know. And we would just love to uh, be in touch with you. Church, the Lord bless you. If you've been joining us, visiting us, uh, visiting us this week, then the Lord bless you. If you're uh, part of another church, we pray a blessing in your church as well. And so have a great week and uh, stay safe and stay sane.